Welcome to In the Eyes Of. For the third episode of the Lebanon series, we are joined today by a really dear friend called Antoine. Besides graduating from business school and being an extraordinary person, Antoine has taken an active role in volunteering pretty much all of his life. And today we will talk about his journey in volunteering and how has that shaped his perspective. I hope you enjoy this episode. Antoine, welcome to In the Eyes Of. Can you tell us a little bit of who you are and what your passions are? Hello, Georgina. Thank you. Yeah, my name is Antoine. I'm 22 years old and I'm from Lebanon. I live just outside of Beirut. And recently I graduated from the American University of Beirut. I studied uh, business administration and social psychology. Uh, today, I'm happy to be working as an administrator of a peace and leadership program with an organization called uh, Initiatives of Change. And thanks to this organization, by the way, it's how you and I met in an online conference where we were facilitating. So yeah, I really enjoy uh, writing and music. I feel that the best way that I express myself Other than that, I'm just trying to figure out the right path for me, figuring out life, basically. I would say that I'm also, like, volunteering is a big part of my life. I've been volunteering since <laughs> a little kid. I had a chance to, being born and raised in a family, taught me the values of service and giving. I actually went to my first summer camp with an NGO when I was just a couple months old. <laughs> <laughs> like my parents are maybe a little crazy, I don't know, but uh, this is how it has always been. It was with an NGO called Faith and Light, uh, more known as Foi Lumière, and I'm still part of this group. I wouldn't describe it as an NGO more than it is a community of people who come together to support each other in different ways. And it's focused or the core of Faith and Light is the accompaniment of friends with mental or physical uh, disabilities. So yeah, ever since I was born, I was part of this community and it was, it helped me shape my personality and who I am today. I, I'm not precisely sure we met in the conference. I mean, that was the first encounter. Yeah, that was like when we knew about each other's existence. So as we've talked, you've mentioned that volunteering has a big part of your life and that it has shaped your personality. How do you think you would be different if volunteering hadn't been there from a young age. I think that it uh, helped me shape the way I see things. Somehow, it stopped being a duty and it stopped being something I do because of the happiness of giving and receiving. I mean, these are still there, but it's also a way of approaching things. Now I see that in many situations, you can be part of the solution rather than being part of the problem. And that there's always a way to contribute in making things better. Okay, so maybe for the people who are not too familiarized with volunteering, can you explain to us a little bit of what is volunteering at its core? Like, how can it differ? What are the different roles you can take into volunteering? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's a very vast word. It can... Uh, mean benevolent work, like giving your work, your time and effort without any sort of remuneration. But it can also mean giving your time and friendship to people who need support any different way. Children can volunteer, uh, students can volunteer, and it's really actually 
such a beautiful thing to do because you you put yourself out there and you're like offering your presence to others you can just volunteer in any field in your field of expertise if you're like an expert in the medical field or the agricultural field or the education sector it can be anything but it can also be offering your time and yourself and your presence to others to assist them in so many different ways What does volunteering mean in Lebanon and how is it taking place right now with everything going on? Yeah, so um, volunteering and community service in Lebanon are much needed. I live in a country where previous and current governments are weak, corrupt and incompetent. Hence, many basic needs are not being provided by the state and people don't perceive the government as a caretaker entity not in normal times not in times of crisis so naturally the role of uh, ngos personal initiatives social enterprises religious community groups becomes more and more important because they are fulfilling a certain task or a certain role that normally the government has to do you know all of these entities require a great deal of volunteering and generosity to keep on running and fulfilling their missions. So I would say that in Lebanon volunteering is a must and that it actually plays a big role in uh, many people's life, either on the volunteering side, on the receiving side or on both. So NGOs work in so many different sectors. Everything that you can imagine has an NGO to take care of it, really, and uh, it's kind of growing culture as well in Lebanon. It has always been present with the refugee crisis it the role of NGOs grew more and more and then it kept growing more it accrued since last year October 2019 with the economic crisis which put so many Lebanese under the poverty line and it basically exploded with the explosion because this created uh, in august the explosion created uh, the need for relief work and em- emergency responses so so many people and especially young people took to the street- streets just right the next day after the explosion to help people clean up to uh, assist families that have been affected to rebuild damaged houses at some point the third day of the explosion i was in beirut trying to help myself and you would think that it's a festival the number of people the number of young people in the streets of beirut with booms with material to, to rebuild houses and clean up like this view alone would let you imagine that there's like a kind of a festival or like uh, i don't know like black friday or something the numbers were huge and we were heartbroken we were so heartbroken but at the same time the number of people helping out is so heartwarming now i would say that it has shifted a little bit we are almost uh, two months and a half after the explosion and uh, the work is mostly being done with schools for education it's being done with families who lost their jobs and their houses their cars etc we always need more and more people to help so how would you say since you've been volunteering pretty much your your whole life How would you say volunteering has changed in Lebanon before the explosion, before the economic crisis, before everything and after? Okay, so 
Let me talk about my experience first because I'm not sure about others. Although I am seeing so many more people volunteering more than usual. For me, it was different after the explosion because I had to do things that I've never done before. Like, for example, going into people's houses and conducting a needs assessment survey. It was funny because on that day, people assumed that I'm an engineer. So I had to play the role of an engineer for a day. And later, I had to help out in being the bridge between donors and beneficiaries. The generosity of people from abroad, I mean, the support of the international community was so heartwarming and it still is. So we received many donations from abroad and we had to distribute them to households who need to rebuild their houses, basically. It's a matter of gathering data, assessing the needs, allocating the resources and then reporting back. So it was very interesting to live this experience for the first time and to navigate it in a culture where pride is a big deal. You know, it makes it difficult to accept help especially in a monetary form. So you need to be very sensitive and intentional about how you address this without hurting or without offending the families and the people who need this support. So I want to talk a little, a little bit more about that pride because obviously that is, like you said, a cultural thing. So how do you navigate it? So, for example, I, I will tell you about something that I have witnessed. The army was distributing food kits, like boxes of food. And they were in the streets of Beirut, waiting for people to come down from their houses and get them. And at some point, no one was going out to get the food boxes. Because, because of this pride that is part of the culture, it's difficult to, to say, yes, I need basic needs. Or yes, I'm not able to fulfill the basic needs of my family at the moment. So later, they discovered that you actually need to go to the houses, not in front of everyone, because if you're in the street, like everyone, like the neighborhood can see, and which is also part of the culture to be aware of, you know, what people think. Uh, so they had to go into the houses and distribute uh, bread and food directly at people's doors. So that's one thing that the army did quite late, but they did it. And another thing is basically to not to address the elephant in the room. Like instead of saying money or cash, you say support or help. So it's about the way we say things. It's about the way we talk to people. We ask them what do they need in what forms. We give them options. We don't just, uh, you know, it's just... You don't impose on them the help, rather you let them take it. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. What is for you the hardest part about volunteering? That can either be from before and right now, or something you've just thought about your whole life. So benevolent work is a very noble thing to do, and I admire a lot of people who do this without expecting anything in return. It's an incredible way to show love and altruism and unselfishness. The harder thing about it, though, is when you get too caught up with it that you forget about yourself. I remember once I was scrolling through Instagram stories and I see this uh, quote posted by a very good friend of mine on her story and it said, you cannot pour from an empty cup. And it, it hit me. It's like... 
it appeared on my screen for a few seconds. That was maybe two years ago, but I still remember it very, very well because it changed kind of the way I see things. And the sentence, these simple words reveal to me the importance of self-care and mental health when you are offering so much help to others. And I would say that one of the hardest parts of volunteering is to know where you stand, where are your boundaries, and to be conscious of your limits. Because it's so easy to say, I want to change the world, I want to be part of this, I want to be part of that. And at the end of the day, you just forget about your limits and you're all over the place. You forget the essence, you forget why you started this in the first place and you're just doing things, but you forget the intentionality behind your actions. So when you want to offer support to someone else, it's it's essential that you have another source of support yourself. It's essential that you feel strong enough to, to actually be there for someone else because otherwise the whole structure will collapse. And in your experience, what does this support mean to you? Like, how do you do self-care? So it depends on what's going on uh, at the moment in my life. But I would say that I draw energy and support both from being with myself, like taking time for myself, and also equally drawing energy from my friends and family and the people around me. So I enjoy both. And um, and I also resource myself uh, with different activities like swimming or playing the piano or writing or having a good conversation with a good friend. So I was curious to know if you find any similarities or any differences with volunteering where you are in Mexico. Okay, so this is a tough question, I think, for me, because I only started volunteering about two years ago, maybe less. Like, I've always been involved in social initiatives and helping other people, but in my own way, never directly into with groups or NGOs within my city. I think my first volunteering trip actually was, wasn't even in Mexico. It was, like, for my social service for university, and it was going to El Salvador, which was pretty much painting schools for for kids in need. And that was like my first approach. And I really liked it. So when I came back to Mexico, I started doing more things. And of course, in my work, like in my personal work, I have a movement that helps artisans and indigenous people. So I think it's very similar in the sense of this sense of pride too, but it's navigated a little bit different. For example, With us, people will go out and seek help because they need it, because they have no other option. And I think for us Mexicans, when it's between not having anything and having a little help, we will go seek out the help, even if it means sacrificing a little bit of our well-being. Meaning, we like we organized a food drive a little over three months ago, For, in which we helped over 400 people. But the private donors, the people who contributed to this campaign, were constantly asking for photos of the people receiving the food or receiving the things just, not 
not ill-intentioned, but rather wanting to know for a fact that we were giving out this aid and that the funds they, they gave away were being used. But I think it becomes like a little tricky part in the sense of, well, you don't want to photograph someone whose only option is to receive food and take mm -hmm. out that humanity of them. So I think in Mexico, there are two big parts of volunteering, you know, the people who actually only volunteer to say they're volunteering, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but it is something to think about. And there's this other part in which I have friends who have been volunteering their whole life, whether it be by religious reasons or just like their own experience. Yeah, it's so interesting that you say that. And I think it kind of relates to one conversation we had once about uh, the intention behind it. Like if you're volunteering just to add it to your CV, does it really count as volunteering? I mean, we said that from a utilitarian perspective, yes, because at the end of the day, you are providing support and you are offering your help to others. But from a value-based perspective, if you're doing it for yourself to gain experience, to put it on your CV, to feel good about yourself, it's kind of different. And I think that's also pride. Like some people will only do things if other people know about it. And I don't think it's a bad thing. I just think, like you said, it's the intention behind it. Because you will always yeah. find people, I think, in volunteering who don't expect anything back. And there are always the people who will. And what they expect is not something what you think they expect. Definitely. It's a topic that we really addressed many times in psycho psychology classes where we were asking if like altruism is a real thing. Like, is it real that you give without expecting anything in return? Like, is, is this even something that exists in human beings? And it reminds me also of a Friends episode where Joey and Phoebe were having this uh, debate. Like, is there like a good deed where you don't receive anything good in return? Not only feeling good about yourself, clearing your consciousness, appearing good, you know, like all these stuff. It's... It's an interesting debate. And what is your position on that? Is it like, are you able or not? Are you able, but is it possible? I would like to believe that it's possible. <laughs> you know, I'm that type of person who would like to believe that it's possible. I just need to, to prove it yet. <laughs> but I think talking from my experience, I think it's hard because at least for me, every single time I volunteer, even if you don't actually expect anything in return, you will receive it because you will receive gratitude from people. So you will yeah. share that happiness. So it's not about expecting something, but rather finding it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with that. So I'm curious to know, what is something very unexpected you found in volunteering? You know, like you didn't think volunteering was about this thing or could show up in this way. You always have a way of making me think deeply and we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about your uh, your questions. I did not expect volunteering to be... Like sometimes it's easy to go into the illusion that NGOs are like the perfect place to be because they are all about helping others and making the world a better place and supporting each other, you know, but at the end of the day, it's also a group of people, of human beings, who are running a project together. 
and in any type of human being interactions they will at some point arise or at some point you will see signs of conflict or very clear signs of conflict so I would say that around the age of 16 17 I started realizing that oh like there's kind of a dissolution that happens and you see that actually it's run very similarly to other organizations for profit or non-for-profit and you have to accept it you have to accept that wherever you are conflict will be there and whatever the type of work that is being done conflict will always be there and it's just a way of dealing with it and agreeing on what are the values that you base yourself on in order to to solve these problems and overcome them i think that's very interesting because i think we all go through this phase where we discover that something we thought was one way is not perfect and is not ideal, but that's the way it works because after all, we're all humans. So in my personal belief, I think that anything we do is not meant to fail, but rather is meant to have a problem because we can never foresee the future. We're never going to foresee how some people will react. How has volunteering helped your personal growth? Oh, a lot, actually. A lot. I mean, uh, as mentioned, it really helped in shaping uh, who I am today. It exposed me to so many different situations that I would have never experienced if I was not in that particular context. It uh, gave me the chance to meet amazing people. It uh, put me in certain positions where maybe I had to take a certain decision at a certain time. It put me out of my comfort zone. And I believe that real growth happens outside of your comfort zone. So by doing all this, <laughs> all of these experiences coming together uh, really contributed to my personal growth. And I think that there's still a very, very, very long way to go. Now, going back to your very interesting questions, I want to say that I really enjoyed the process of getting to know someone, asking questions, sharing stories, diving into someone's past, noting their behavior and personality, you know, discovering their thoughts, their beliefs. This long process, you know, of getting to know someone. There's like, it's fascinating. And to everyone listening to this, if you are looking to do this with someone, Georgina is the best person to go to because she has an incredible list of very interesting questions that will make you not only discover the person you are doing this exercise with, but also discover yourself. People should know that this is actually a list, like a real written document list of questions. But yeah, 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 I yeah. think anyone who has ever met me has had the experience of being asked these existential questions. And not for me to get an answer, but rather like for them to think about. So I'm really like, I know deep down you enjoy them. I do enjoy them. I do enjoy them because they take me on a self-discovery journey that is sprinkled with some existential crisis moments. But really on a more serious note, uh, the questions that you have been sending me are really pushing me to ask myself questions that I would never had thought of otherwise. And it's interesting because sometimes we think that self-awareness 
happens when you sit with yourself or when you spend more time with yourself contemplating things. But actually, we forget that we have a limited perspective on who we are. I mean, we have a limited perspective on everything, including ourselves. So sometimes it's essential to see ourselves uh, in the eyes of someone else, pun intended. So this writer once wrote that different people, you know how there's this like, how can I phrase this? Okay. So it's not uncommon for me to hear, or at least in Mexican society, like, oh, this person changes depending who they are with. And they try to say this in a bad way, you know, like this, pe this person is really fake because she's not the person, like her personality is not the same when she's with me as when she's with others. However, this author, going back to him, he wrote once that different people hold different keys to your personality. You know, so it's expected from us to change depending who we are with. And I think it's very interesting because I've never thought about it that way. Now that you say that, you know, our perspective is limited. And when we are forced to be with other people, we expand and therefore we grow in a personal way. I want to ask you another existential question. So where do you think you do your best personal growth or where have been situations where you've changed or not changed the most but where your perspective has opened up the most <laughs> but uh, interestingly enough it's kind of an easy one because i think the moment that my horizons expanded the most is when i took part of this program in switzerland back in 2017 and it was the good the incredible thing about it it's living with a group of I don't know we were like 40 50 people from 30 different countries all at once and just seeing the way everyone thinks differently and behaves differently and believes in different things while still sharing the same experience in one place uh, was really eye-opening I think many other instances after that also helped the process of you know, growth and most of these were places outside my comfort zone again but I would say that the best setting for me to, to expand my horizons would be outside my comfort zone but with people I feel comfortable with you know like this combination I really love Okay, so we're approaching the end of the episode, so I'm gonna start with the existential questions at large. Or at least one of them. So what is the thing you have learned and overcome this year that you are most proud of? I don't know if this is the thing I am most proud of, nor if I really learned it fully. But I would say that I stress a lot less about things that are out of my control with an unstable political climate, with an economic crisis, an international pandemic, and the disaster that hit my city. I mean, we have very little control on what we can do or what happens next. I have learned to focus on my area of influence, the areas I can actually work on, and most importantly, to deal with uncertainty. Life is so uncertain, our early 20s are even more uncertain 
add to that the chaos we are living in right now i mean you know i would say that navigating the world with so many uncertainties is a skill that we have acquired as a generation we fostered our resilience and flexibility and we learned to plan and to make decisions and to continue running on very fragile basis i feel that you know as a generation someday hopefully will be glad that we have acquired these skills or this mindset and will be able to come out of this stronger okay so is there anything else you want to mention in the podcast for anyone who's listening that's not involving my existential questions please <laughs> so yeah as mentioned before if you want to know more about yourself or if you want to have fun and get to know someone else just <laughs> go to georgina and she has the perfect recipe for that <laughs> thank you so much for believing that actually so antoine i want to close up the conversation saying that ever since i've met you you've been such a wonderful person like you're just like light everywhere you go and you never hesitate to i don't want to say make me feel better but just to bring this joy into whatever you are person that i really really admire like your resilience your and even your patience you know just yourself taking time into reflecting and wanting to be a better person than the person you are today so thank you so much for everything you've taught me and thank you so much for sharing your experience in this conversation thank you so much georgina the least i can say is that it's likewise i'm so glad that we actually got to connect and to know each other more and thank you for this opportunity and i wish you all i wish you the best of luck <laughs> in all your different projects thank you so much